Hello, everyone. Growth is key to achieve long-term prosperity and well-being for all. At Bridgewood, this is our mission and everyday obsession, to develop remarkable networks that bridge and deliver growth opportunities. If, like us, you believe sustainable growth is key, this is your podcast. Welcome to Let's Scale, the Bridgewood podcast powered by Scale-Up Valley that puts growth at the center of conversations. We are Paul Morgado and Anna Paula Reich, the founders of Bridgewood, and your hosts for this podcast. Today we have with us Ilka Huotlin, CEO and co-founder of Big Customer Smart. Ilka, tell us, what is Big Customer Smart? Uh, hello, Paolo. Hello, Anna. So, so Picaster Smart is an um, artificial intelligence and um, consulting startup, and we help companies to understand what makes their customers happy and loyal so, the, so they can focus on what matters most to their business and to their customers. Okay, good. Uh, very clear. Can you explain how and why you have created Picaster Smart? Yes. So, so um, I, so background is that I was talking with a couple of um, industry leaders and uh, we could see based on the conversations with them that there are unmet needs in the market and we decided to address those. So the first conversation was with the CEO of a fintech company uh, who was struggling to understand what is the link between customer experience and customer experience improvements to his financial performance. So he wanted to provide uh, business optimal customer experience and with the current tools and methods he was not able to understand what drives the customer experience and and the financial returns. Uh, in the second case we were doing um, a prediction of, of customers at risk of leaving uh, at the Finnish energy company and they liked our artificial intelligence uh, prediction tool and the, the accuracy but they asked if it would be possible to know why each customer was leaving. So for them, only if they knew the reason, they could fix it. And that was not possible then. So, so the machine learning models that was, were available were able to predict churn very accurately, but when they were black boxes. So it was not possible to, to tell uh, much of the causes of the churn. So these were the things that we saw are not answered in the market and we wanted to address those. Okay, so if you had to summarize the major learnings from these projects, because you, I believe you were starting uh, these work projects at the beginning of your activity, what would be the major learnings that we extract from this project that uh, could be useful for our audience? Uh, so, so a lot of companies base their decisions on either cut feeling or sort of like incomplete or, or like, or, outdated um, facts uh, so so what we so what we believe is in evidence-based um, decision making and um, we, we believe that you know that this decision should be made on so like full information and it's so like most um, up-to-date most accurate information and we have learned that a lot of companies are not fully using the data they have available or what is available in, in from a th third parties. And um, we believe that there's a lot of space for improvements in using data and analytics in, in the decision making. Okay. Can you tell us about your most recent project? 
so that our audience understands the area that you're currently working on. Yes. So, and now, mm -hmm. so, so we have just completed a project with um, a large Finnish retail chain. So they, they own groceries, shops, supermarkets, restaurants, and so on. And they just did a pilot case where they upgraded one of the supermarkets and they wanted to understand better what impacted the customer loyalty. So how many times customers come there and how much they buy at um, its, its visit because they wanted to know what has worked so they could replicate those to the other supermarkets and then skip those things that don't bring financial results. Um, so what we did for them is that they took the, took the data, the shopping data, and we analyzed what were the things that drove the, the increased uh, visits and for, for its, its segment. And we could then quantify in euros that these things bring this much value on their own and how much they sort of pulled the customers to, to come again, because a lot of us don't want to go to several sh uh, stores. So here, if you, if you get uh, freshly baked pizzas or, or fish on this, uh, from this supermarket, you concentrate all your shopping um, to the, this same place. So you, you, you don't go to your competitors or the other stores. So we could prove that this initiative, let's say like freshly baked pizzas or extended opening hours had this much value uh, by increasing the overall sales. And based on this, the company could then decide, is it worth investing this in, in the other stores or, or not? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, if you had to talk about the value that you think you had to this customer, how could, could you summarize this value? Uh, so, so it's, um, we saw the customers, what is the business impact? Uh, at the individual customer segment or entire uh, customer base concretely in euros or in, in net promoter score or, or similar satisfaction metric. So the, because all the improvements or initiatives have a cost side, but typically customers, com companies don't, are not so good at calculating the positive impact. So impact in, in re increased revenue or increase the loyalty. So, so the value we bring is that we can quantify these things. So the companies can then make decisions based on, on full, full set of uh, facts. So. Hmm. And, and in terms of this, of, of this project, this was a retail project. Correct, yeah. Can you tell us about your major learnings and things that you can apply not only uh, in terms of this project, but the, for this industry as well? Um, so, so, so I think it's important always to select for the companies to, to verify their assumptions. So like, like here in, in some of the learn, learnings we could show them is was that some of the assumptions were correct and then they could have facts based on on those assumptions, but some of the assumptions they had were not proven in, in with, the, with the data and with the analytics. So we, they could sort of then revisit those. So it's sort of uh, the value and the learnings from here was that you should always uh, question your assumptions and either prove them wrong or, or sort of prove them wrong and then sort of re revisit them. So. Okay, 
since it was a, a, a retail company, the, the concept of client journey and client experience were present. Can you can you tell us a bit more about this? Uh, that means uh, where do you look in terms of when you put on clients' shoes? Uh, uh, where do you look? What are the, 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 the typical interactions that the client has with the company that are subject to your analysis? Mm -hmm. Please tell us from the client shoes. Yes. So, so all, all, we always look at it from the, let's say, the customer side. So like how, what are the interactions the customer has with, uh, with the company? Like, like in this case of, of, of a retailer or if it's insurance company or, or so on. And we look at what data there is from from this interaction so like what, what was the waiting time you know if you had to call was the did things result in so, so we, we look at it from the customer eyes what are the what they experience and we turn those experience as far as possible into data points so we look at the data that the company has and see what we can derive how we can derive the experience from that so it's sort of very much sort of building the so like customer view and like how would customer feel feel about it so because many companies they they look at this from the internal processes point of view but we we, we approach it only from the customer point of view and and what can you tell us about the data that companies have related to this information because is easier when companies have already the data, but mm -hmm. it's uh, a little bit difficult when companies do not have the data regarding customer journeys and so on. So yeah, yeah. please compare, uh, what is the comparison between a company that is sophisticated in terms of data and a company that is not sophisticated in terms of data? What would yeah. be the, your different approach? Yeah, so, so, so we typically focus on companies who have, let's say, last, uh, customer base, so it's B2C or B2SME, uh, so, so, so they, they can't know the, all the individual customers and that the customers are identified, so like in the retail case, there's a, like a loyalty card, so we know when they interact with, with the shop, and the third thing that they're digital footprints. Um, of, so, so a lot of our customers, when we approach them first time, uh, we, when we start a conversation, they say that they don't have the data, but uh, in our experience, almost always companies have enough data to do to something to start start the analysis. So, and it it's let's say that no company has perfect data. So, companies shouldn't wait for everything to be ready uh, before start starting analysis analyzing the customer ex, customer experience from a data point of view. So, some companies have more data. And, and it's easier to do, but many of them, we'll, we analyze the data they have today. And then we, at the same time, advise that if you start collecting this data, then in a few months' time, we can do a deeper analysis. And another thing what companies ask is, especially in Europe, is this GDPR. Um, we, we don't work with any customer identifiable data. So we use pseudonymized data. So there's no risk of... Um, of uh, violating customer privacy. So we don't need to know that names and so on. So we work with uh, customer IDs, which don't re reveal the true identity of a customer. 
And in terms of, you've, we've been talking about retail because of your most recent project, but uh, uh, can you tell us about other uh, industries that you have been working with and others that you think that even if you haven't, could really benefit from looking into a solution like mm -hmm. yours? Yes. So, so our focus um, industries is uh, retail and especially the e-retail or omnichannel retail. And mm -hmm. then it's uh, insurance and, and retail banking because there's a lot of data and digital interactions nowadays there. Uh, then it's long distance travel like airlines, car rental, cruises. And, and now we are very much focusing on the hotels. So that industry was of course very much uh, impacted by COVID, but now we see very much promise in, in, in that uh, to, tourism and travel industry because people uh, have new expectations. So understanding what are the customer, uh, what, what matters to customers in this new sort of new normal. So. Hmm. You're raising an interesting uh, subject there, which is this new normal and its mm -hmm. impact in turn. Uh, yeah. Is there anything that you can tell us about that? Um, so I think th this is comes to what, what I mentioned earlier about, you know, use, using the old assumptions. So uh, it, it's very risky to assume that customers want exactly the same things uh, as pre before COVID. So that's why we believe that this kind of monitoring the what matters to our customers constantly is very, very important as because COVID is not yet over and there's a governmental re regulations are changing. So monitoring that sort of constantly what what matters to customers, companies then, then can really be more relevant to the customers and then also capture market share. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so let's let's talk now about mm -hmm. the relationship between Big Customer Smart and, and Bridgewood. Okay. I remember that we have uh, we had the first conversation some mm -hmm. months ago mm -hmm. so basically you, at the time you didn't know anything about bridgewood mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us uh, what was from your side the the, the process of joining our company uh, and then what are the goals that your learnings uh, about bridgewood and then the goals that we have today and uh, for, for the partnership that we have and for your uh, own mm -hmm. objective as, as a company? Yeah, uh, so, so when we started the conversation with Bridgewood, we, we found your concept very interesting, but, but you are breaching the, let's say the large companies or companies with needs with, with companies like ours who are providing solutions. So it's, so like, uh, uh, so it's important for us because uh, for us to, find the right contacts and right people, that takes a lot of effort. So when there's like a trusted platform where Bridgeford has verified and, and so like selected partners, we feel that that adds value to us, that we, that we can have a conversations with relevant people in, in so like environment where the, so like, uh, but, but, but we have been sort of selected in, into this platform. Um, so, so you were asking about our expectations. Yes. So, 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 so we, of course, uh, like what, what is your team is growth. So, so we are, of course, looking very much for growth. So, so we are hoping to find companies who are needs that we can, we can address and also partners um, 
um, partners with, with whom we can solve large uh, challenges. So because we are we are startups, so we have we are focused on on certain certain challenges and certain solutions, but we also feel that working with together with others who can complement each other, we can bring more value to the to the companies who need need solutions. Great, and and and, and that brings me to your actual value and how you see your impact in terms of what you can bring to all other participants. So yeah. let's say, what is that? Yes. So, so, so we believe that, you know, when we add forces with other companies, so, so we have expertise. So we, we analyze customer data. We understand what, what makes customers uh, happy and, and loyal, but that's part of the growth challenge that, that companies have. So we believe that working together with other companies who may, can complement that, maybe they, uh, you know, bring these insights into actions. Maybe they help companies tend to, uh, to re reduce churn. We, we tell what causes churn, but these companies can then add. So, so we can complement each other and bring more complete solutions and bring um, results to the, to the companies. Okay, um, and uh, well, you know that the the, the priority of Bridgewater uh, is is now at the beginning of the company Iberia, so Span the Spanish and the Portuguese market. Could you tell us your um, plans for these two countries, not mm -hmm. only, not only in terms of geography, but also in terms of uh, the type of sectors that you want to address and so on? Yes, yes. Uh, so, so we have been growing quite well in Northern and Central Europe. So, so Iberia is very interesting market for us. So we, so we see a lot of potential there. So especially like in both in Portugal and Spain, the travel industry is very strong. So, so we are in discussions with one large uh, hotel chain there as, as they are transforming their uh, their business to be more customer centric and they are focusing more on, on loyalty. So we see a lot of opportunities there. Then banking, insurance are both also very strong strong industries in, 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 in Iberia. And one thing which I forgot to mention earlier is, is telecom that you know, we, we find very, very interesting. So, so I think the, the types of companies in Iberia are very much sort of re relevant for what the, the industries, what, what we are focusing on. And we see a lot of opportunities there, so. Very good. And um, being a, a startup, growth is really important to your business as uh, in general, but for a startup that's even more acute, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, would you give us your definition of growth and of your, the way you see it? Yeah. So, so we see growth, uh, first, first of all, it's of course like number of customers and, and um, monetary value, but uh, we also see growth very much in sort of like being able to bring more value to the customers, so like solve larger problems and other problems. So we are now focusing on a couple of challenges companies have, but we want also to grow, but we, in that sense, but we, we, we bring more strategic value to the customers and we provide 
solutions to more more problems. So it's, it's growth in let's say selling more to more customers the same thing, but selling more things to the same customers as as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Ilka, let's just now do a, a, a different a different thing in the podcast. Let us go uh, a bit more in detail uh, about some of the questions that we asked you already and mm -hmm. uh, clarify even further uh, sure, yeah. Yeah. The, the answers that you, you gave us. So uh, let's uh, go to, to the question, what is uh, <clears throat> Be Customer Smart again? Uh, mm -hmm. We had to ask you, what is your area of innovation uh, what would be the answer? Now, short answers, okay? Even shorter than, uh, <laughs> than the one that you gave so far. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so because Turn Smart helps companies to understand what matters to, 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 to their customers. So like what makes them happy and what makes them loyal. And we, we do it by taking the operational data and using our artificial intelligence models. So the area of innovation is intelligent data. Or, or let's say using data to answer what, what makes cust customers happy and loyal. Because when you compare yourself to some of your competitors, what is the, the main difference here? Not only in terms of innovation, but also, also in terms of your strengths. What could yes. you say? Yeah, yeah. So, so the main main difference is on, on the on the data source. So, typically, companies um, answer this question by doing surveys and um, looking at customer feedback. But the challenge with that is so few. We, we are bombarded with with questionnaires all the time, so we don't answer them. So that leads to you know the you know the sample of what com companies get is very small and, and it's very biased because it's only those who are really happy or, or really unhappy to answer. We solve this, but we take the existing operational data that companies have, and we can then answer uh, for 100% of the customers in, in real time what, what makes them ha happy and, um, and loyal. So the difference is that we can quantify the impact of its customer interaction concretely in euros or in satisfaction points for 100% of customers in real time. And we can also predict the customer experience of each customer because we know what takes me happy and we get the operational data. So we can alert of customers who are at risk so companies can proactively resolve that. So, so the, the, the main difference is the, the coverage and, and then the, so, and the quantification. So, Okay. So can we say that your clients and your market recognizes your company for your knowledge uh, and the knowledge that you can give them about their own operation? Is that so? So you make uh, them know their operation even better? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so we sort of help them to understand what they are doing well and where they need, need to improve. So, so then they can, and in some cases, maybe they are doing already they say over quality or irrelevant things. So we help them to understand, you know, themselves better, where they stand mm -hmm. out and um, and where they they still should improve themselves. So. Okay. Uh, now let, let uh, me ask you about, again, the creation of the company. Mm -hmm. uh, people usually like stories. So uh, mm -hmm. can you tell me 
a bit the story or who had the idea, who were the, I would say, the preparation of uh, the company, the plans, and uh, yeah. tell me, uh, tell us a bit about the, the, the story of the company creation. Yes, yeah. Yes, so, so my background is um, in, in the data and analytics and AI. And the person I found it customers with, customer smart with was, um, his background was in, in customer service and voice of customer. And we realized that, that how companies understand customer experience and how they decide where to focus is, that could be improved. So the companies were, not using data sufficiently, and um, and um, and we we saw that, that that should be should be improved, and then we started to, to, talking to com companies, and we saw that there's like two unfilled needs, so so one of our, our customers, um, who is like a CEO of a fintech company, uh, his goal was that he didn't want to be a customer experience leader, but he wanted to provide customer experience that is optimal for his business. And he was not able to, to understand what matters there. So he, he turned to us and can you help us to tell you know, what they should do to make their customers happy, but also that their top line and bottom line grows. So, the, the, so like we started this company based on very much on like a, uh, getting the signals from people that there's something that they want, but there's no solution in, in the market for it. Okay. Um, again, it, it coming back from questions that we have already uh, mm -hmm. addressed to you, but uh, knowing a, a bit more about uh, some of the topics. One of the topics is imagine that you are... Uh, presenting uh, your company, the solutions that you develop and so on to uh, uh, a customer, to a client. Uh, usually, how you do you address the client? How, who is the buyer? Who is the decision? Uh, uh, the, so so how, how do you make your project reality uh, once uh, you present what could be the strengths for the client that you are talking with. Oh, this is the process. Oh, if you had to talk about some sort of pipeline, since you identify an opportunity until you close this opportunity, what would be the major steps and especially barriers to overcome? Yes. So, so, so usually we address people in companies who have a business problem. So, so let's say like it's a head of um, consumer segment in, in insurance company. So the challenge they have is uh, they're losing customers, but they don't know why. Um, so, so first we sort of discuss with them, what is the question they want to be answered? So for instance, understanding churn re reasons and their business impact. And then we sort of uh, look, look together what data they have. So, so like, like we discussed earlier, first reaction is that there's not, not enough data. So, so we analyze what data they have on that we can use to, uh, to build a customer view of the interactions. And we use that then to sort of answer the question. So, so we, the, the, we tell the client then that these are the main churn reasons and this is what 
this is where their monitoring impacts. So it's, it starts very much on the, from a business question and ends with the business answer. You were talking about the churn reasons and you, you work with several different companies. Uh, is there a pattern, I would say, that there, uh, the reasons do they repeat? Are they more specific to a sector? Uh, can you tell us about that? Why do clients churn? Um, so, so it depends very much on, on the industry, but let's say like, like if, if you buy an insurance, you buy peace of mind for, for instance. So, so, you know, most you don't deal with insurance company most of the time, but then you have an accident, you have a claim. So it's that claim handling process. Typically there are churn reasons there. So something uh, doesn't meet the customer expectations. And remember that when you have a claim, you are quite stressed. You know, you, let's mm -hmm. say you, you have a car accident, you don't want the car to be fixed and, and, uh, as soon as possible. Maybe you have a um, health issue, you're in a hospital, there's a lot of stress. So, uh, so if insurance company doesn't understand this emotional state and their processes don't support the customer, then customers sort of can have a reaction that, you know, I'm not going to continue with this. So it's sort of like they don't meet the customer expectations uh, at, at the crucial, crucial moment. Um, so it's usually we can find that, you know, the customers can be quite tolerant and quite forgiving up to a point. And then there's some point which sort of is just like the, the final moment. And usually it's that what is seen is not the root cause. So that root, something has started going wrong earlier. So let's say like your insurance claim is not paid. That's the root cause. And then they, you know, you try to call them. It takes ages to get through. The person you talk to doesn't know, can't give you an answer, ask you to call, call another line. Um, so the root cause is where customers started getting annoyed. And then following actions, company couldn't meet the expectation. And that sort of, they, they still would have had the chance to correct that thing. But what we show from, from, from our tool, we can show that each interaction where the uh, churn probability was lowered, customers were more happy, and where the thing st things started going wrong. So, you, you know, you can usually see that there's a couple of major points and then some minor points, which were the, like, like the final straw that customer decided mm -hmm. to churn. So. Mm -hmm. Is it easy to the, a company to admit that they have a churn problem? I, I think most companies acknowledge they have a churn problem. Um, so like, you know, typical telecom insurance company, they lose 10% of the customers each year. So just to stay still, they have to replace 10% of the customers. So that is just like a huge cost to acquire those customers, especially in, in a saturated market. Uh, so usually companies acknowledge that they have a churn problem. It's more question is that because they tried everything, but you know, for them to believe that they can do something about it. And that, that's where we can help to find, point them at what are the most critical things that they should focus on. And, and uh, when we are talking about, I don't know which is the, the first function or the first person that you look for on the organization to present 
a project <laughs> like this. Uh, considering this this person that you are going to tell us, uh, what is his or her reaction the first time that you talk about is is defensive is. Uh, cooperative uh, is of uh, wanting to do something to reduce churn because you were talking about telco companies and obviously telco companies always acknowledge that they have a problem but sometimes in retail is more difficult that 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 they acknowledge this so yes. what's your process to sell your services um yes yeah, so, so so typically we we find people whom we believe that are having let's say, are personally concerned about this problem. Let's say like they look at the customer numbers, they look at the, so, so uh, there's like revenue. So we, we approach people with a business challenge. So, so whom churn or let's say lack of upselling or the customer value not developing as, as hoped is sort of, is, is a problem. And when we start talking to them, a lot of them are really curious because they, try different methodologies to solve this problem. So they, they, they do surveys, they do exit interviews, but they haven't found sufficient facts from that. So uh, we, we are really encouraged for, with the feedback we are getting from, from the customers, but they really, really see the need for this. Uh, what, what we need to convince them is what we touched earlier, is that, that do they have a data and, um, our, our experiences most likely they do have. And then they, we have to discuss the uh, questions about GDPR, the privacy and this, but, but, but they can do this from, from a legal point of view. And we have experience with the large banks and so on, so that there's a way that you can do it without risking any, any uh, pri privacy topics. So. Yeah, uh, one last question. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of companies that rely on net promoter score to control churn. What 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 do you have? What is your opinion about net promoter score and the way you obtain this data? Um, so so I would say net promoter score is maybe not perfect, but it is sort of widely used and. If that's the measure that um, companies use, we we can work with that. Some com companies use uh, customer satisfaction score. Some companies use customer effort score. So the main thing is that they measure it, the customer satisfaction with something, because if if you don't measure, you don't know it. But even if there's no measurements of customer satisfaction or those surveys are done anonymously, churn we can always look because that's based that data we can get from the CRM. So even if there's no NPS, we can still work with the car company. Um, uh, so net promoter score is sort of, my personal view is that it has a lot of cultural uh, interpretation, or let's say in different cultures, people interpret differently. So it's, it's not easily comparable, but if you look at within the same company in the same country, it, net promoter score is very useful looking at if you're improving or, or, or decreasing their satisfactions. So using that to, to follow trends is, is, is useful. So. Ilka, thank you. Thank you very much for uh -huh. uh, the time that we spent together.